This is the MLW Radio Network. Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Front Row Material with Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whiprack. Should I go get my dog? We can hear him licking his ball. <laughs> Here's your host, Mike Freeland. Okay, I'm back. No, fuck, where's Jerry? Jerry, are you there, buddy? Of all weeks to have a disaster. I know, the week the week that you feel like dog shit. Did he read, did he, did he read, did he restart Skype? <laughs> he completely logged off his iPad. He is no, logged on, on the computer. Did he restart no, on the computer? He did. I do not believe he did that. That's probably what Hold he should on. do. I'm thinking. Let of- me. Yeah, I think that's the issue. Let me call him. I can get him back on the phone here. Because he's not in green. Jerry. Hello? Yes. Yes. Are you there? It's doing it again. So what I'm doing now is I'm going to delete the app off my phone and my iPad. No, 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 no. Don't even worry about the iPad or the phone. Well, did did he close Skype on his computer? Did you close Skype on your computer first? Yeah, I closed that too. And then you went right back into it, right? Yeah, let's try it again. Okay, try that again first. Try closing the app. Try closing yeah. Skype on your computer first, correct, before we reboot it. It's closed. Okay. Let me, hey, 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 Jerry. Mm-hmm. Let me do this. Let me, let me end this call and let me try to call you separately. And if I can get you, and then I can just go ahead and re add Mikey, okay? All right. All right. 10-4. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to start the process. Just, just stay put right now. Okay, and I'm going to try to hang up here and try to get a hold of you first, and then I'll bring him on. All right. All right. See ya. Okay. I know this is not optimal. Sweet mother of God. I know. I know. This is going to be the episode. This is the whole episode right now. (laughs) (laughs) This is it. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. I, I tell you what. Stan Pat, I'll be right back. What do you mean I've got to plug something else for them? Seriously? So not only is it ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash F-R-M-P-O-D, I've also got to plug... Hang on. Really? Okay. Hey, Front Row Material fans. It's Freddie Mercurio here again with more information for you to digest and love and go, oh my goodness, don't stop me now. Go to shop.spreadshirt.com forward slash F-R-M-P-O-D. Apparently, there's some more t-shirts for you. And those t-shirts can be yours. I mean, obviously pay for them, like, because otherwise there's no point. Nobody does well. Let's, let's have the boys get paid. Come on. Like, they've got cookies to buy. We need more effing cookies. Yeah, I'm back. Um, I yeah, I, I still don't have Jerry with me. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, you there, buddy? Yes, I'm here. Okay, well, I I tried to do that, and and that obviously didn't work. And I I did everything I could. Um, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna need you to restart the computer. Okay. 
So do you know how roughly how long that takes to restart your computer? About 37 minutes. I have no idea. You just want me to turn it off and on, right? Yeah, turn it off and then turn it right back on. Then. We'll does give he, it a couple seconds. He, this is a dumb question. Does right. he have internet on his computer? Do you have the internet on your computer? Yeah. Is it working? Well, is it working properly? Well, my daughter, here's the kicker. My daughter was just on here playing games with her friend. So I don't See, know that's it. That's it. No, it's, it's, the internet's working. So what? Okay. Like, okay. Something just popped up on my, uh, my Skype. It says Jerry Lynn is, is not available. Yeah, he's not available. Well, I, I, I got rid of the window for Skype. Okay. All right. Well, just, do what you got to do. Restart hang hang with us. Right, restart I'll the computer. Right. Oh, sweet mother Before of mercy. I now, I shut off the whole tower. Was I supposed to log off? Nah, fuck it. it. it I don't think it matters at this point, Jerry. Okay, tell him to go into his tool cabinet, his tools toolbox, and get a screwdriver. Go? Jerry, you haven't yeah. boxed up your tools yet, have you, in your, in your garage? <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. He wants you to go get, is, is it a Phillips or is it a, uh, what's the other one called? Doesn't matter. He's gonna take. He's gonna take a fucking the end of it and just jam it repeatedly into the back. Okay, so you're. It doesn't matter, evidently, what type of screwdriver it is. You're gonna take one and you're gonna jam it repeatedly into the back of the monitor. Right, where the, where the Ethernet cable goes. Where the Ethernet cable goes. Which is which is a chunky phone cord. Hang on. And the computer just shut down. Let me count to ten and turn it Holy back Holy God, it just now shut down? Yeah. It's oh, slow. I'm telling you. Fuck, we had a, fuck you running. An old, cheap <laughs> we need a new one. Oh, my God. You know, I'm 45 years old. By the time this thing, I can go have sex with my wife. By the time the thing comes back on, I'd be ready to go again. <laughs> oh, God. It's terrible. I know it's terrible. Uh, Mikey said he could make a sandwich by the time this is done. Now the screen came on. Now I got to wait for it to bring up. Here we go. Uh, okay. He just used the phrase. It's warming up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. A, 19, a 1973 duster. You got to warm it up for about 45 minutes in the winter time before you drive it. I don't, I don't understand why it's not working. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, it's doing it this time. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, let me hit Sweet, sweet mother of God. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. Hold. Hold. What's going on? Is it not working? No, we're Jerry, you're on. I don't. We got you. Can you hear us? I don't hear you in my headset. Is your headset plugged in the right button? Or right into the right port? Let me look. I think you need to turn your webcam on too, Jerry. Turn turn your webcam on. No. Okay. Which device did you plug in? Headphones? Okay. I still don't hear you guys. Why is this happening? Because we're, we're not talking. Can you hear me in the can mic you hear now? Me in the mic now? Yes. We can hear you in our headsets. You are on here. So why is my headset not working? Is your headset turned on? Is there like a switch on the cord? Oh Christ! Did he just close the door? 
that was Annabelle. I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> what is going on? Wait a minute. Is the only way you're hearing me is through your phone? Wait. Wait. Talk now. Hello, testing one, All two. Right, I got you. Hey, I'm gonna hang up my phone now. Okay, perfect. I'm out of minutes anyway. Thanks. Yeah, it, Mikey went to bed. I, I um, see that. I hear that. Yeah, he took a powder this week instead of you. I guess so. so. Well, that's my gimmick. Pow- I need to take a powder to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm on my second snake bite. Uh, that explains what? that explains the problem. This, <laughs> no, it isn't. It was my daughter in here messing around. My name is Jerry Lynn, and I am going to blow you. Excuse me? Out of the water. <laughs> Did you like that little surprise in the beginning this week? That, <laughs> I'll admit, it was good. Someone, someone pulled a really good rib on me. Uh, there's no way I could top that rib. Oh, there's a way. Are you trying to say that, that you're not really a part of the movie? No. And my wife's the one who smartened me up to the the little movie preview that had that clip in it. And I go, what minute I saw it, I go, someone's ribbing me. And she goes, you think so? I said, there's no one else in wrestling named Jerry Lynn. Of course someone's ribbing me. Do you know I've seen that thing so many times it didn't put two and two together? Really? Yeah. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said anything then. (laughs) Because you had... To create that clip that repeats it over and over. <laughs> I learned how to I learned how to do that on my phone. Wait, you did that with your phone? Yeah. Wow. I, what? what? No, no, that's real. No, it's real. It's in the movie, I think. That's what I that's what I thought. But then you said, Mikey, you said you created it on your phone. So I'm thinking, did you do this as a prank? Oh, well, no. Well, I edited it and then put like the I put it like over and over again and kind of like, and I am going to blow you, blow oh, you, blow like, gotcha. a, like a remix, like I'm rapping. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. But it's, it's. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, this is not good. What? It's time to rock a rhyme. To rock a rhyme. That's right on time. It's tricky. Yeah, it's tricky, 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 tricky. It's tricky to rock a rhyme. To rock a. R- I know that one. I love Run DMC. The speech is my recital. I think it's very vital. To rock a rhyme. That's right on time. Yeah, sing one now. <laughs> I met this little girly. Her hair was kind of curly. Went to her house to bust her out. I had to leave real early. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's Christmas time in Hollis, Queens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> oh, my God. You be illin'. <laughs> Remember those, the, the three guys, they were the fat boys? Yes. Yeah. They're the ones I heard, I think, the first time do the.
Oh, that one I heard. No, I'm not going to say <laughs> that. Was la- that was last night, oh, behave. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Get in my belly. Uh, speaking of, I was a fat fuck today. No, you ain't. I saw that picture of you and your daughter. You looked awesome. You both looked that, great. Well, tonight, specifically, I was a fat fuck. What'd you do? I had dominoes. Which kind? All of it. <laughs> <laughs> Give me kind? one of everything. You were like Gordon Ramsay inspecting the Domino's restaurant. You ordered one of everything, right? That, that's how it felt. Yeah. Was it but, good? Oh, it was delicious. What did you, you have what did you the Philly cheesesteak one? I love their Philly cheesesteak pizza. No, we had the, uh, well, a plain pizza. Then we had some boneless chicken tender bites with barbecue sauce, bacon, and cheese on it. Holy moly. And then we had these, like, Parmesan bites. And then cinnamon twist for dessert. Wow. So, that's all I can eat the rest of the week. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> the week's over tomorrow. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> I I do. If I was there, I'd be like Cartman going, eh, yeah, 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 Well, how are you feeling though? Are you feeling any better? I knew you weren't feeling very well the other day. I just. <laughs> there you go. Ah, god damn it. All I know is. March 23rd and 24th can't come soon enough. Let's have to. Montreal and Toronto. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's getting back in yeah. the ring. The comeback is starting. Kiss is coming here in April. And I thought, well, it'd be fun to take Annabelle to go see her first Kiss concert. The nosebleeds are like well over $100 a ticket. I was like, you got to be kidding me. How you doing, people? <laughs> Pam does a great impression of Stanley. We we saw, we saw them up at Scranton, and he kept going, "How you doing, Scranton?" Oh, I'm like, oh god. She'll she'll do some impression of him saying something like, uh, "How you doing, Nashville?" And then say something like, uh, <clears throat> uh, something about southern southern hospitality or something. And you you welcome us with open arms. And open legs. And I'm just like, oh, my God. How cheesy. Wow. <laughs> That's Kiss, though. Every song's cheesy. How you doing, people? <laughs> I'm going to lip sync. That's Pam's favorite Kiss song, too. Oh. And then there's G. That sounds really disturbing. Wow. Did you He's giving that? fellatio to the microphone. Yes, we, we definitely heard that one. I licked it. I'm just glad the video just is a not tip. on right now. Just a just, tip. Just a tip. Just a tip. So what's your wow. favorite Kiss song, Mikey? Well, Cold Gin is always a good one. Ooh, yeah, that is a good one. Because every time they would play Cold Gin and Axel Rotten would be there, he mm-hmm. would call me every time. My head is broken. I'm, I'm so, so tired. tired. Dun, 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 dun. 
good stuff. I think my favorite Kiss song is Black Diamond. Black Diamond. Dun, 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 dun. Yes, that was a good one. I'm a, I'm a fan of the Revenge album myself. Okay, when I was in junior high, well, actually, when I was 12. When you, you were in junior high, the, the Tommy Dorsey band was popular. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> what you got against big band music? Nothing, I love it. Okay. No, uh, when I was 12, the first album I ever bought was Kiss Alive. And it was, it was funny that this friend of mine, he showed me the album and I saw the cover and I just knew right away, I go, I'm going to like those guys. So after that, I mean, I bought every album and I bought every magazine you could find Kiss pictures in and I would cut them out and I would like, uh, every magazine picture you could find taped just in place on my closet doors. I had posters. I had everything. I bought every album up until when they came out with the solo albums. Then I was like, all right, now you guys are just after my money. I'm done. <laughs> so that was it. I didn't buy any more albums. Very nice. For the record, I want to state that I did not shit my pants last week. Just wanted, just wanted Where'd to that, that come from? I just, want, I just want to get that out there. We go from kiss to uh, accidents in the pants. Well, well, I did hear you stifle a sneeze, and it was pretty hard. Oh, I'm not going to say it didn't fucking hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Never doing that again. <clears throat> well, let me, let me read to everyone our text conversation. Oh, no. Because. Did we really have one? Yes, we did. Because I was dying laughing, and I was... I you know, was, somehow I knew you were laughing at me. And, <laughs> somehow I just knew. And what's amazing is, you could barely hear it, but I knew that it was you stifling a sneeze. Oh, and so, Matt's, Matt's in it to me, isolated. So here's our text conversation. <clears throat> I'm not going to say what we were talking about before that, but I said... Did you just stifle a sneeze? And you said, yeah. <laughs> I laughed. I can't stop. You said, yeah, and blew out my eardrum. And then there was a pause, and I, I was started laughing already, and I'm holding it in. And then you texted again after the blow up my eardrum. You go, I think I'm bleeding. <laughs> and there was a pause, and then you sent an OMG. And then there's another pause, and all of a sudden you you texted, like your tinnitus kicked in. I'm, and at this point, I am dying, and I'm trying to hold back my laugh so no one hears me. And then you added the holy f. Some Ting Wong, like the pilots of that plane crash, and then I just die. <laughs> oh. And then I said, I think I just orally skeeted, and you put LOL. And then I, and this is true, I, I sent back to you, I had to go to the bathroom where I would have peed myself because I seriously did. I was holding back the laugh, and the, the more I held it back, the harder I was laughing. <laughs> Here, here's what Matt sent me isolated. Oh. 
Yes, that, that's it. <laughs> that was it. Oh, yeah. And how bad is it that I recognized it was you holding a sneeze? <laughs> you you must know me too well. I know. Oh, uh, I was dying. Yeah, but I'm sitting here like I'm like my ear hurts. I'm like e. I'm like I'm all like discombobulated. And every time you texted me, it was like you were it. It was like you were panicking even more. <laughs> but I knew enough to keep my com- comedic timing and put in something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, I, I'm nervous when I sneeze as it is because when I sneeze, my arms go numb. So what? I try to. That's not good. Yeah. Well, it's all right. So when I when I have to sneeze, I literally brace myself. And I kind of like, like, I'm going to take a chair shot. I kind of clench up, <laughs> raise my traps, like this, and I went, what? <laughs> really, it's almost like, oh, I, I, I'm like, I'm like Beavis in Cornholio. <laughs> I'm all like, ah, yeah. bracing myself. Are you threatening me? <laughs> oh, my God. I need TP for my bunk. <laughs> You sell a sneeze like taking a chair shot from balls. That's great. <laughs> I, I, I know that I shouldn't laugh at that, but it, but it's true. Oh, that's true. so. Should we do an open? <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> Uh, okay. You ready for it? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I just wanted to try to get the heads up before I go into it. My uh, my wife said she was listening to the episode this week, uh-huh. last week. And she said, I don't know what Jerry was laughing at <coughs> at the end of the episode. But it just made her start laughing. Uh-huh. She had no idea what you were laughing at. And I didn't tell her. Do we ever know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh. Hey Front Row Material Podcast listeners. It's Freddie Mercurio back with a little snippet. And that snippet is to tell you that on March 24th, Mikey, we need more effing cookies, Whipwreck, will be returning to Greek Town Wrestling. Not only will he be returning, so will Tajiri, the Japanese buzzsaw. These two will be teaming up, and they will be, wait for it, wrestling. Oh my goodness, this is going to get dangerous. Welcome to another episode of Front Row Material. My name is Mike Freeland. I am joined by the two ECW legends. Mr. Jerry Lynn, (laughs) this take's not going to work. That take was great. (laughs) Oh my god! We can have forty-five minutes of an episode just laughing. (laughs) I got the Nyquil giggles. Jerry! 
It's Mikey's fault. Oh, oh God. Okay, I'll try and compose myself. Thank you. Whew. Wow. Well, welcome back to another week, boys. Here we go. Here we are. We're just getting started. We are. Uh, How's everyone? <laughs> Stop it. Oh Stop I'm it. doing it again. <coughs> Mr. Frump in the iron lung. Okay. I'm still here. So, what's new this week? <laughs> well, we've we, we've we've gotten a lot of good feedback from the uh, from last week in Mr. Joel Gertner joining us. Oh, good. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was fun. A lot of people were really enjoyed that episode. Excellent. That's always good to know. It is. It's always good to catch up with Joel. When was the last time prior to that that you guys got a chance to catch up with him? Uh, oh. We, we, saw, we saw him in Philly. Nice. Yeah. A month or so back on that, on that lovely trip when Jerry was sick. Was I sick? Yeah. Oh, the grape, oh. the grape cough syrup trip? That trip. It was the, the four and a half hour ride from Philly to Long Island trip. That's right. Wow. That's a long trip. It was. It was a long trip. Well, before we get into this, anything anybody wants to, uh, to go into? Any major announcements since the last time we did this? I put a very rare picture of myself on Twitter, all dressed you, up. You did. You looked fantastic. You and your wife were going to a father-daughter banquet. Well, that was my daughter, not my wife, but that's okay. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> This is ridiculous. But it was oh. nice. It was uh yeah. <laughs> Let me just tell you though. No, don't Try- tell me. <laughs> don't tell me. <laughs> Oh my god. Well you don't have a choice, Mr. Lynn. Okay. I realized (laughs) Thursday night (laughs) that I have no clothes. Okay. (laughs) That I can wear now. No dress up clothes. No dress up clothes. Okay, gotcha. So I'm trying to find pants that fit. That are I'm not big and tall. I'm short and fat. Well, they don't make really short and fat clothes. Off the rack. Okay. So I had to try to find pants. I could not find pants with the proper length. What's your inseam? 29. Okay. Impossible. Yeah, 29 is kind of one of those hard numbers. You're going to have to go with 30, 32. 30 is too long because then they, they, you know, I step on them. Right. And of course, now Thursday night, it's too late to fucking hem these things. Right. So I'll figure that out later. But anyway, so I'm trying to buy a shirt now. And 
I go there and I don't know what size neck I am. Okay. Right? So I say, ah, we'll go two X. Let's go with the fucking two X size. So I bring it home. I put it on Friday morning. It doesn't fit. I can't get the neck buttoned. Like not even close. I get it buttoned. It it was fine that way. The length was fine. The sleeve was nice. It was great. But I could not get this fucking thing buttoned up on, on the neck. I say fucking great. So I go back. And I, I find a 3X. And I said, well, I'm going to have to get the 3X. Because at least then, I mean, it'll probably be baggy. But I'm going to get the, the neck closed. So I take it home. I, and guess what it was? What's that? It was a 2X? Short sleeve. Short oh, sleeve. Oh, my no. God. It was short sleeve. Short sleeve. I was like the idiot from the fucking office. <laughs> right? So, so, I, so now I got to go back again. Okay. To buy, so I find a shirt, a 3X shirt. I put the thing on, and I am fucking swimming in it. This thing is huge. <clears throat> but I get the neck button. So now I figured out the, the, the shirt part. I'm all good there. But now I got to figure out these fucking pants. So... I honestly debated taking a pair of scissors and just cutting off an inch off the bottom. Of the pants? Of the pants, yes. Oh, God. But what I found, my wife had this, she has this iron-on stuff where she can, uh, she patches on the Girl Scout badges on the back of the vest. So I flipped my pants inside out and then flipped the bottom of the pants up an inch. And then, and then I fucking ironed them up. <laughs> With Girl Scout patches? <laughs> well, no, the stuff. The, oh, the okay. iron-on stuff. Okay. So wow. I iron on my pants <laughs> so, I, so they would fit. It sounds like you well, could have had the, the Girl Scout badge ironed on your pocket of your shirt, too, for selling all them cookies. I should have. Yeah. I should have. That's insane. They've sold many boxes. Well, you have one more week of these cookies. Oh, Lord. March 10th, and this thing is done. I was still thinking that you're not, <laughs> by the looks of the picture, you're not fat. But by the sounds of your, your shirt fittings, it sounds like you got a fat neck. I've always had a, I have a big neck. That- <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound like you're fat. Sounds like you got a fat neck. Yes. Oh my God. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Jer. Thanks for that vote of confidence right there, pal. There's a compliment in there somewhere. Way to pick me up. No. Were you, did you do amateur wrestling or anything? Because a lot of amateur wrestlers have thick necks. Uh, I did Seriously. amateur wrestling in ECW. Oh, okay. There you go. Getting suplexed on your neck all the time got, a, got you a thick neck, huh? I, I'm going to go fuck myself now. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow, wow! No, I just, I've always had like a big neck and like traps. Okay, so it's just I have like a nineteen and a half inch neck. <laughs> so it's got nothing to do with your weight. No, no, <laughs> yeah. I think so. my my neck is one thing that's not fat, right? And my willy's not fat either. <laughs> I wasn't asking about your willy. Not but you were thinking about it. No. I'm only human. Jerry. Well, I know. <laughs> wow. Wow. It turned out to be a very nice evening, but the whole process leading up to this, to get clothes and everything else, 
because I had to buy pants. I had to buy, I had to buy socks. <laughs> then I had to buy a T-shirt for underneath the shirt because, well, that's what you have to fucking do. Would you normally not wear a T-shirt underneath a dress shirt? I would never wouldn't, wouldn't wear a dress shirt. Oh, you would never wear. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Oh well, well I, I forgot to add that I on on Friday morning when I went and bought the the three X shirt, which was the uh, the short sleeves. Right. I also bought I also bought those wife beater. Oh yeah, on the shirts. Well, I bought two X. Right. Yeah. Go to put it on. I go, man. They make these things thin. I bu- yeah, I bought a boys two X. <laughs> <laughs> was it like one of those half shirts from the seventies? It was. I'm like, you know, erotic. Oh my god! So, it, it was just not. Then I went back and bought the three X shirt. I bought regular T shirts, white T shirts. So I figured that I can wear them around the house. But yeah, I had to buy shoes. I had to buy a belt. It's just not, not fucking. The, the lead up to the thing was not fun. But look at it as a good sign. Because when you start losing weight, and when you got to start buying new clothes, that means you're doing a great job. Well, thank you, Jerry. I always tell people, especially when I was personal training, I say, don't get on the scale. Because the scale will just play tricks with your mind. You tell I, me that all the time. I know. You can always tell how well you're doing by how your clothes are fitting. They're fitting loose, and I'm going to have to spend more money on new clothes. Well, there you go. means you're doing good. I hate buying clothes. Really just pants. I don't mind my T-shirts being baggy. Do you try clothes on, like when you're at the store, just to make sure that by the time you get home, it fits? Let's just put it this way. By the time you get home, as you a fast weight gainer? No, no, no. Hold on. What I'm saying, though, is, Mikey, when you go out to get a dress shirt, okay, did you try them on at the store so when you made the purchase, you wouldn't be surprised? No, that's the gimmick. That's the fucking gimmick. They put them in the bag. You take it out of the bag. No, no, you can't do that. Because then if you put it back in there, then someone else goes to buy it. They say someone has worn the shirt already, then they won't buy it. Like, if I was going to buy a shirt, and I saw a shirt, and this packaging was tampered with in any way, I'm not buying it. <laughs> tampered well, with? It depends. How expensive was the shirt? Where did About you, $3. Where did, you $3? Go, where did you go? Where did you go to get the shirt at? Goodwill. I should have went to Goodwill. My buddy did that. Did you go to Walmart? Yeah. Okay. Do you think I'm spending a lot of money on clothes? I didn't know if you went to a Target. I did. I was just, you know, kind of curious. Oh, no, that's just too far. As enlightening as this is with clothing, um, not doing me any fucking good now. Yeah, we. Uh, but it was a disaster. The event itself, or just buying the clothes? No, buying the clothes. Oh, well, how did and the, the five, ha- and the five trips to fucking Walmart and back and forth, and it wouldn't happen if you just would have tried it on. But it, well, I, I, I tried the pants on, and that gives me the fucking heebie-jeebies as it is. Why? Because you feel like someone else tried the pants on before you? You know how many other pairs of balls have been in those fucking pairs of pants? <laughs> well, they're all Three. wearing, Mikey, they're all wearing, they're all wearing undergarments. You would think so, but how do you know? You could then just, you know what? You could just wash them. How do you know some guy's not going there going all fucking commando? You know what? Oh, I don't. Can... That's I mean, some scary. guy's fucking taint sweat all over my fucking 
Oh, wonderful. How many people, though, wear dress pants and just balls out? How many people? Balls to the walls, man. Da, 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 da. I don't know. <laughs> Have you guys ever worn jeans and, and not had any undergarments? I cannot not wear underwear. Okay. Especially jeans. I'd be afraid of having one of those episodes like in, uh, what was that movie where he zipped up his unit and the zipper? Oh, something about Mary. Yes. You're going to get to the point where you zip over your shaft? Well, I wouldn't <laughs> want to take a chance. But, but like, how can you wear jeans and go, com- like. I'm just saying in an emergency, like if you didn't have any, would you be okay to go a full day without any? No, because you figured I'd get like. Ball sweat, just like swamp Running ass. down your leg. Yeah, nasty. <laughs> what? Swamp Ball sweat ass. running down your leg? Don't forget the swamp ass. Jerry, what are you doing that is allowing you, you your the, balls you need, to get you that the, wet? You need the undies to catch that shit. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, this conversation's taking a left turn somewhere. Uh, and on that note, <laughs> let's get into today's topic. Yeah, what is today's topic? We have a topic. We do it's, have a topic. Today's topic. Is it we pimp do. hand? Ball sweat. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just blown away, no pun intended, how Jerry has so much moisture coming off of his balls. I mean, Wait, that wasn't me. That was Mikey no, saying that. No, I thought you, I thought you were the one that said that. No, you're the one. You're the one, Jerry. That said running down the leg. You I said running no. down your leg. What are you doing, Jerry Lynn? That when you wear jeans, you've just got like this, this cock faucet going on. I'm Wilford Brimley. Do you suffer from uh, anal leakage? <laughs> What's the point? I mean, that might oh be a sign God. of diabetes. <laughs> got the diabetes. You got the time. It is a scientific fact that anal leakage is a sign of diabetes. (laughs) (laughs) Now I sound like the neighbor from Beavis and Butthead. Holy cow, I did not realize this. Wilford Brimley's still alive. Yeah. Wow. With the diabetes. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Hold on. And you still got, you still got both his legs. Do <laughs> you believe you went down Amputation Avenue? <laughs> uh, we're going to break down to Amputation, Amputation Avenue. Avenue. <laughs> and then we'll take it higher. Then we'll walk much slower. In my wheelchair. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> wow, he looks good. For no legs. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. Oh, your bad influence on me, Freeland. Oh my god. Mr. Brimley, I didn't know you were shorter than Dan DeVito. Oh jeez. <laughs> Uh, hold, hold. Before I lost my legs. Hold. Thank you for uh-huh. drinking Bartles and James. <laughs> oh my God! Do they still I've make that? I got drunk on Bartles and James years ago in the eighties. Oh, it was horrible. You know, there's a lot of 
ass references that's made on this program a lot, to be honest. No, no. I mean, if we counted how many times people, or how many times Mikey has said that the Sheik is going to fuck someone in the ass and humble them, I mean, wow. And then there's always always the indirect moments, like when Mikey does Hawk. (laughs) Tell him Hawk. Well, (laughs) he's talking about ass. (laughs) He's ruling fucking ass. (laughs) Well, ass. Oh, my. Oh man. Very good. All right. Before before we have to get Jerry to bed and obviously get Mikey to bed, because Mikey, you've been under the weather, correct? To bed, I'm fine. Good. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> Great day. That's my gimmick. <laughs> Mikey. No, I haven't had to get up at four o'clock in the morning for work for six weeks now. So it's been really nice. 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 Well, speaking of things that you're gonna be able to get up for this week. <laughs> Our topic this week is going to be something I think you you both can uh, can get into pretty well, oh and you guys can shed a lot of light onto this. Okay, all right. So, with everything that's been that's been going on, a lot of different promotions, AEW, big news with them, Impact Wrestling, House of Hardcore. I thought it might be fun to go ahead and talk about and maybe share some fun stories and kind of go down memory lane when it comes to Tommy Dreamer. Now, I know you guys have a lot of fond memories of Tommy. Let me both start off by asking you this. When was the first time you guys met Tommy? Gosh. Mine was 1992 or 1993. Okay. Up in Ogdensburg, New York. He said hello, and that was pretty much it. I was like a young guy helping the ring crew. Okay. I, I distinctly remember Taz kayfabing me and talking in Carney. What? To, uh, yeah, to uh, watch out for the marks in the locker room. <laughs> Referring to me and my friend Mike. And I'm going. So, could you understand every word that he was saying in Carney? Yes. Because a lot of the guys don't even do it right anymore. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I, I knew what he said, and I didn't say anything that I knew. I just, you know, took that as my, as my polite key to leave. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I knew exactly what he said. Yeah, because everyone, no one does it right anymore, so you can understand every word they're saying. Like, yeah. who put the e-spoon in the Mia microwave? It's like, really? <laughs> so what does what good Carney sound like? I'm not going to Gib- tell you. It sounds like gibberish. Yeah, if you do it right, you actually have to sit there and go, uh, can you say that again slower? (laughs) But I I assume you guys can both speak it if need be, correct? All the the general public thinks they can say it now because of Snoop Dogg. And that's even worse. That's that's really not even close. I I remember when Snoop did it in that that one song he had. And uh, he said... Uh, what did he say? I forget what he said, but Seb was like, fuck, <laughs> fuck. 
He's fucking speaking Carney. Fuck. <laughs> when was it yep. before Mikey, you actually started to maybe build a relationship with him? How long after that initial interaction? Uh, not till ECW. And even then, not for a couple months into ECW. Uh, we'd, we'd start to talk a little bit. You know, Tommy was always very willing to give advice, help out, you know, critique matches and things like that. So he was always very helpful. N- never selfish, never standoffish, never, you know, never big lead me or anything. In that sense, would you say Tommy was definitely different than most people in the business? I don't know because I didn't really know many people in the business. I, I broke in, in ECW. And when I came in, I kept my mouth shut, did what I was told. And everybody in the locker room was willing to help me. But Tommy and Terry Funk and Kevin Sullivan and Paulie, of course, Sherry Martell, uh, and even Shane Douglas. Those, those are pretty much the ones who always would um, pull me aside, say, hey, this, 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 you know. It was very nice. And I, I felt like... Like the luckiest kid in the world, because all I knew of Kevin Sullivan was he was a devil-worshipping guy. You know, I, I never knew him outside the ring before that. Or, I and, and, and like, Sherry and Funk, I didn't know them at all. Like, I didn't know anybody, honestly. You know, so to have people like that kind of help me out. Nancy Sullivan always helped me out. She was a sweetheart. So I just felt lucky as hell that all these cool people I knew from TV were willing to help me. So how long? And then you had... What? Keep going. And then, yeah, you know, had some other people, like Hack, would would always help out. But, I mean, it was a good, God, six months, if not longer, before I started actually talking to Tommy, or really anybody, on, like, a personal level. So with something like that, you would not, right off the bat, ask somebody if they wanted to get a beer or anything like that? No. Was there a certain type of, I don't want to say pecking order, but kind of an etiquette at some point that you need to be there a while before you can socially interact? Does that make sense? Yeah, it just kind of happened for me. I don't, I don't, there was no like. I think it depends on who you're interacting with too, because some people are a lot more approachable than others. Yeah, I didn't, I, you know, I'm very shy as it is. You know, I'm very antisocial at points. So I was never really the go-out type. Plus, I was doing the ring crew, so I never really had to hang out anyway. You know, I was the first one at the building, last one to leave always. You know, so I never really got to the point. And so I started traveling with them, with Taz and Pauly and Dreamer. Um, at that point then, I started socializing more with them. So... When you were doing the ring crew stuff, what were you doing during the show itself? I mean, obviously, prior to Paul asking you if you were would be interested, what did you do? Did you just grab a seat and watch the show, or did you leave? What What did you do to occupy your time between the time you got done setting things up and the time you were supposed to come back in and tear down? Uh, I'd watch the show, uh, see if anybody needed any help or anything in the back. That's pretty much it. Mostly just watch the show. Kept myself available for, for should anybody need anything. So you met him, what, early? You said 92-ish, maybe? 
92 or 93. It's up in Ogdensburg. Okay. In the spring of uh, whatever year that was. So for people who might not be real familiar with that, where where would you say that is in Pennsylvania itself? Is it close to Pittsburgh? Is it close? No, that's that's in New York, all the way up north, on the uh, very close to Canada. I think you could pee on Canada. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, but it's all the way up there. I mean, you, you can't get much further north, right? In New York, than Ogdensburg. Good crowds up there. Uh, that was the first night I met the Bushwhackers, and I got to take their. Uh, their Polaroid pictures with the fans. Nice. They throw me 50 bucks. Wow. For, for taking their pictures. Those guys are awesome. Yeah, super cool. I mean, they were def- they were just very nice to talk to. You know, they wish me luck if, if I ever get into the business. Even though at the time they said, uh, you know, mate, someone that small as you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but this was 92. 92 or 93. I don't remember exactly what it was, but, you know, they were very nice. They were the only guys, well, I should say, yeah, I think they were pretty much the only guys when I did squash matches for WWF back in, like, 1989 or 90. They'd put us jobbers in our own room sometimes, and they would come in the room and say hi to everyone. Wow. They were really cool. Mm-hmm. When was the first time you met Tommy, Jerry? I think it was in my very first show for ECW was up in Waltham, Massachusetts. I, that's the only time I could think of be the first time I'd meet Tommy. I don't remember it, which I don't remember a lot of my career, <laughs> but uh, that'd be the that had to be the first time I met him. But no, nah, Tommy is always. Great from the get-go. I mean, he's one of those guys who give you the shirt off his back. So back then, Mikey, and in, in with ECW being kind of in its infancy, and obviously this is even predating extreme championship wrestling, did you get the feeling or when you were setting up the ring, you know, and being backstage, that Tommy was was a very influential person? Not just giving out advice, but I mean, as far as conducting things backstage as well, or did that take a little bit of time before he became kind of one of the, one of the leaders backstage? I think it took time. At first he was that baby face and he was getting booed out of the building every night, every night getting booed like crazy. And I remember they, somebody did a spot the night before and they GDT the ref and they got a huge pop. So Dreamer said, I, I'm, tonight in the, in the arena, I think I'm going to DDT the ref. And I remember Funk going, God damn it, Tommy, if you went out there and you DDT the referee, the entire building would be chanting, ref, ref, <laughs> ref. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they, they hated him as a babyface in, in ECW at first. Wasn't the thing that turned it around was when Sandman caned him over and over and over? Yes, he was nearly mutilated. Because Tommy showed that he was willing to do what it, you know, whatever it took. Yep. Well, that definitely got him over. Yeah. As we're kind of, kind of jump me to my next, my next bullet point here. So as we, as we get closer to that, obviously that would be kind of Tommy's coming out party. Would you, would you both agree with that from the suspenders and getting booed to 
his program he did with Sandman and showing how well he could take a beating and just keep going. Yeah, that's I, that's what started it for sure. Well, that's that's the epitome of a babyface is having that inner drive and that fight just to keep keep coming back, no matter how much you get beat down. You just have that heart and just keep on coming. Now, Mikey, where were you on the night that that happened? Uh, Do you remember specifically? I just remember being like, holy fuck. Like, this is, this is, this is heavy. Like, it was, uh, it was very, very, very few times have I been around something that got such, that made me feel uh, emotionally involved in it. And just watching Tommy just get fucking caned to death. And I'm, I'm saying to myself, okay, dude, like, that's enough. You know what I mean? Right. Like, because mm-hmm. that I, hurts. Yeah. And I, I only took the stick at that point maybe once or twice. It you know, burns. Nothing, you know, and he's just getting whacked and getting whacked. And, and you see the welts on his back and you see the blood coming down. And it's just, oh, like, I knew how much that hurt. I got, See, I didn't know how much it hurt, but I could, I, I knew it was hurting, you know, and he kept sucking it up and doing it. And even me just being a worker was saying, God, Tommy, he's a fucking badass <laughs> to take this, you know, because uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if back then I would have done it. I don't know if I, I don't know if I would be able to take it. Well, looking at that situation, how hard do you think hack was laying him in? It don't matter. It still hurts because that bamboo, when it hits you, it'll pull apart. And then when it shuts, it'll pinch you, pinch your skin. Yeah. And it, wow. It tears you out. You know, Hack wasn't swinging for the fences. No. Right. You know, but he wasn't holding back either. Right. You know, and that that stick, it doesn't take much. You just get a little momentum on it and that's all it takes. And you couldn't, you couldn't hold back too much because, no, the fans would, would have crapped all over it. You couldn't do the old stomp. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like when you get hit with a baseball bat. Yeah. Oh, God. But it was so, just, it was, that was a heavy deal. Well, and the, and the reason why I kind of bring that up is just because so many people have commented on it over the years about how, and even the guys in the locker room, you know, watching it saying it went from being part of an angle to being almost uncomfortable, kind of like what you said before, Mikey, just becoming very real to the point where you're like, okay, enough's enough. And they had actually talked to some of the fans as well over the years of, of hardcore ECW fans. And they even said they were right there on that threshold of, is, is this, uh, is this getting a little too, too real for us? And I think that just kind of lends itself to how well they portrayed that thing. Would you agree? Not only that, it's just, it showed, I think, everybody, it showed me, and I'm sure it showed all the fans, just how far Tommy was willing to go to entertain these people. And, you know, God bless him, because it, it definitely, it worked out for him in the long run. But it, the short term, I was like, holy fuck. Like, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> Something wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's been a lot of comparisons that have been made that Tommy kind of has that same mentality that Mick Foley has when it comes to entertaining 
if it means laying my body on the line, if it means jeopardizing my own health for the sake of the show, it's what's best for the show. So would you say in that kind of, in that breath, as opposed to other people who would be doing different angles, those two may be willing to take it as far as it goes in jeopardizing their own health if it puts out a good product? Yeah, well, Sabu was like that too. You know. But yeah, it's just Tommy would do whatever it took to Well Mikey, you were like that too. At yeah. times. You yeah, know. I, to a point. I think we all are. I mean, I mean and we forget how dangerous professional wrestling really is. Because every time you step foot in the ring, you take a chance of becoming a quadriplegic. That's true. Or worse. You know, look at Masawa. Yeah. So it is, you know, what, what it is is very dangerous. Even if you hit the ropes wrong, you could, you know, pop your knee out or snap an ankle. So I think everyone forgets how dangerous it really is. Did you ever have any conversations with, with Tommy after that, uh, after that night and just kind of asking him, or maybe not even necessarily after that night, but just in the years to come, what his thought process was going through all that? No, it was one of those... It was one of those angles where you knew exactly what his thought process was. You knew what he was doing. You know, I didn't have to ask him. Like, he was going out there to do this angle to prove how tough he was. And as we're, as we're going through this angle, it became a very real, very emotional angle. And realistic to the point where this is what this guy was willing to do to entertain these fans. And to get over. So, yeah, it started as a wrestling angle. Oh, we'll do this. You know, we'll beat up Tommy. You know, he'll take the stick. You know, it'll it'll get sympathy. People respect him. But it turned into it legitimately. You know, he, he got his fucking ass kicked for this thing. You know, and that's, that's what started for him. That, and that, that was a turnaround right there. Yeah. Tommy has alluded to in the past in interviews that that was kind of his coming out party right there where he was kind of embraced by the the fans at that point it wasn't too long after that that tommy actually went ahead and started going into the studio working with paul now back in 95 let me ask you this was after he kind of got over with the with the fans did you see more of a bigger step with him as far as not only maybe the respect from the other wrestlers but maybe even with Paul to kind of take that next step backstage as well? No, it was never, it was never like a, okay, everybody, Tommy's now, you know, part of the office. Right. You know, it's just, he was riding with Paul and, and Taz, you know, and you, you just kind of get close to people you travel with. And, you know, when you travel with the boss for so long, you know, and you, you can build that relationship. There's going to be some sort of trust going on there. You know, and when Paul needs somebody to do stuff, you, you're going to do, you're going to ask people you trust to do it. Tommy said it was in middle to late 95 that he started going in and Paul showed him how to edit the show. And he was editing the show and he was sitting in and booking meetings. And some of the people in the booking meetings obviously were a Raven. That was brought up many times. 
I wonder what a meeting with Raven would be like. Tommy has alluded to that uh, he's the man that overthinks everything. And I think you guys have even kind of talked about that before in the past. Eh, eh, you know, eh, <laughs> you know I, I asked for a glass of ice <laughs> and a full glass of ice. And this is not all the way to the full, <laughs> to the very top of the, of the glass. So, <laughs> you know, I really appreciate if you bring more ice because when, when I ask for more ice and I ask for a glass full of ice, uh, you know, I, I really kind of expect a full glass of ice. <laughs> wow. Oh. Okay, Mikey. Uh, you, you, you know, I, I know the total's four fifty, but I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll give you a side Raven picture, and let's call it three dollars. We'll, we'll, we'll call it Squaresville. I'll give you a side Raven picture. You let me through the toll for free. We'll call it Squaresville. Oh my god! Uh, I, I mean, come on, who wouldn't want that? Wow, Mikey. Do you remember? This is a, a holy crap moment that I'll never forget. Is when. Uh, Beulah wrestled Fonzie. Oh, fuck. The, the bloodbath. Yes. I've never seen anything like it in my life. To me, that made the mass, mass transit thing look tame. Because Fonzie was wearing a black shirt, and that thing it was, was so full of blood. It was glistening in the lights. I, I never remember. Th- she had him in the tree of woe. Yes. You see the blood pouring out of his head. I'm like, oh. Well, that's because he was going to get fired. What? That was that whole mole thing. Remember that? No. We had the mole. Todd Gordon was going to take all the guys to, to uh, the WCW. Oh, oh. What, they think Ma- that was Fonzie was the mole or what? Fonzie was a, a big part of it. And really? He was gonna get fi- yeah, he was going to get fired. And then Fonzie went out there and, and did that performance. You know, and, you know, Paul said, I can't fire you now after doing that. Oh, he, so, he, he must have gave himself a lobotomy or something. It was, it was bad. It was gross. It was. You, know, you, you used to seeing blood. You oh, know, yeah. Getting color. But this was like, holy shit. Like, I'm like, does this guy have any blood left? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, obviously, you know, Tommy starts riding with Paul. They start, you know, spending more time together. He's now going into the studio. Paul's showing him how to edit the show. Tommy says at this point in time in the mid nineties, Paul wasn't even coming to live shows and that he was, he was kind of the, the central figure who was in charge of that. Did, did something like that start to make people look at Tommy a little bit differently now? Hey, the boss isn't here. Now we have to run things past him. Or was it everyone just basically did their own thing? And if they needed anything, Tommy was the guy to go to. In 95. Right. I don't remember that. I remember 2000, Paul was not coming to shows. But I don't remember that in 95. Could be. I, don't, I just don't remember. Tommy also went on to say. And I, don't, I don't know exactly when Tommy started. I remember when Tommy started doing all the merchandise. Right. Probably 96. That's when we got the, the ECW school going. And Dreamer had the. You know, the office up in, we called it the country club click. Up in Chelsea? You had Dreamer, and you had Devon and Guido. Ah, come on, Mike. <laughs> and, and then we had the school. We had Taz, Perry, Bubba, and me. So we, we had the gritty, you know, Deer Park, you know, gritty group. 
that ran the school, and they had the country club click up, up Dreamers Way, Westchester. I'm sure both groups kind of went back at, at each other, right? Oh, yeah. It was, uh, you know, ribbon heat. Nice. You know, no, nothing, nothing serious, just... Oh, the country club click. <laughs> no, come on, Micah. I'm not a country club. <laughs> I, I'm a nobody like you. Great. <laughs> you call nobody, Guido. Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Tommy made a comment that he thought that WCW and WWE ECW definitely was not, you know, a lot of people would say that that was the third big company, but that obviously wouldn't, wouldn't really happen till a little bit later on. But he often thought that ECW was the developmental territory where a bunch of, of really guys who went on to do bigger things came in here to kind of hone their craft. Would you guys basically agree with that as well? That there was a lot of guys who came in, might not have had very long stints, but they came in there to kind of sharpen their skills and then obviously go on to be seen and make more money. Oh yeah. There was a time there where both companies were coming in and doing talent raids. How much do you guys think that maybe, I would say maybe 97, 98 before the attitude era really kind of kicked in because we saw a lot of the things that ECW was doing obviously would get ripped off, would get stolen. Mm-hmm. How influential do you think maybe that two-year stretch was to maybe not necessarily just ECW, but wrestling as a whole, kind of ushering in a brand new way of presenting the product? I still think that WWF, WWE, bringing ECW on Raw before that first pay-per-view and some of the other stuff was a way to get our fans to watch their show as they took it to a more edgy direction. So they're just using you guys. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Just like what TNN did. TNN brought ECW on their network to see how well wrestling would do on their network. And with virtually no advertising or anything, we were their number one show. So what they do, they turned around and offered Vince $110 million to come on their network and dropped us like a hot potato. Yep. Bullshit. <laughs> well, so if it was such a hot product, though, on TNN, wouldn't you think that they would still get some offers from some other networks to put something on? Well, the problem was we were we were very edgy. We weren't too family friendly. I think no. that was one of the main problems for a major network to pick us up. But then again, think about it from this perspective. Neither was WWE. Yeah, but we were way worse. So if they were doing stuff like Kai and Ty was cutting someone's dick off or Katie Vick. All right. You got me there. Well, I, well, I guess the point <laughs> I'm trying to make here is I, I know you guys had a lot more gratuitous violence and maybe that's not even fair to say gratuitous, but it was a lot more shocking, but they were doing some things that were, I mean, a lot of homophobic things they were doing, a lot of violent things they were doing. They were doing a lot of stereotyping of different cultures. So they were doing a lot of things that I think a lot of people could look at and say, ooh, I don't know about all that. So. Yes, but I say 
when when you're when you're bringing in a four to five rating, and you can charge your advertisers a lot more money per ad space, based upon your ratings. I mean, you know, we weren't going to compete with that. Do you think any of the friction between the network and Paul was maybe based upon just the relationship they had before ECW even aired? Do you think that they might have had some, I don't want to say ill will, but they just didn't feel comfortable with Paul? Maybe thought that, that he was not the fit for them as well. No, like Jerry said, we were like a test. Yeah. To see, to see if their their audience would watch wrestling. Yeah, we were just a guinea pig. They had no long-term plans for us at all. No. And it became very obvious for them not pushing our product, not no commercials yeah. for our show, nothing. Because if we were their number one show, why wouldn't they keep us? They were just aiming for something else. Right. Yep. But you guys still didn't get it. And I guess that surprises me because, like you said before, there would have to be a network that would be willing to put something on that's edgy like that. But you would you would like to think there was someone else out there who might have picked up the product. But I guess maybe. I think, to this day, I think that a lot of the problem, or a, not necessarily a problem, but a lot of the issue was the bookkeeping and the records and exactly where things sat. I don't think it was necessarily the, the product, you know, but I just think that things were kind of such a mess that you really couldn't sell it. And without Paul getting the right deal to get an influx of cash right away, you know, it wasn't going to work. They weren't going to go all in if obviously. Because it, it was going to take a whole lot of money to say we went on USA. I don't think that was ever going to happen, USA. Because why would USA go from having WWF to then having us? Really like a step down. At that you point know. in time, do you guys have any idea what kind of numbers you guys were doing on TNN being their number one show? I think we were teeter-tottering around like a nine rating, a point nine. Okay. I think it was. And, Don't quote me on that. And WWE was about a four? I don't know what they were getting back then. Right. You know, so I, I just don't, with, with the money Paul needed to come in right away to keep things going, I don't think it was there. And I don't know if you ever got any offers for anybody to put money in. Did you ever get the feeling, maybe not necessarily in that time, but maybe that this product was very niche and that it wasn't really going to fit in any big long-term plans for anyone? And that it, it would have to take whatever offer got thrown its way. Yeah, and I don't think Paul's just going to take any offer. Right. I think if there was an offer that was going to come in and help the company long term, I think he probably would have taken it. But I don't think he got anything to that point that was any really thing. Anything. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Fuck. <laughs> what? My, my daughter just opened the door. And put the two kittens in here and shut the door as she's got this evil grin on her face. And now I'm literally watching a Joey Styles catfight, catfight. Well, they're just playing, but that's the noise you heard. I think that's interesting, though, because at some point you got to feel like you're just 
it's it's a lose lose situation no matter what you guys do. I mean that that had to be the feeling mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter what we do or how we do it. No one's ever going to take us seriously. And no one's ever going to give us an opportunity to succeed. And even when we are given the opportunity to succeed, it's just a test to go ahead and leverage ourselves to get a bigger company. Yeah, that was very frustrating. So this kind of gets into the crux of, of the conversation here. It's been said, and Tommy has said this on numerous occasions, that there was no reason that ECW had to go out of business. And Tommy has gone on record saying that he had a meeting lined up with some people who wanted to buy the product, buy the uh-huh. brand, yep. and he said it was set to go. However, this is what Tommy said. He said that the new owners did not want Paul in charge because right. they did not feel comfortable with Paul. They use other words, but we'll just leave it at did not feel comfortable. They wanted to have Tommy to be in charge of it. However, there was a meeting that was set up. Paul was supposed to come to the meeting as well. Paul no-shows the meeting. Unfortunately, that ends that. Because Paul always had a job with Vince. Well, and that's what he got to as well. And, and Tommy did say, and a lot of people, a lot of people are kind of back on one side of the fence and they're on the other side of the fence. Sometimes they're in Camp Paul. Sometimes they're not. Saying that Paul was in bed with Vince the whole time, that the whole thing was just for Paul to leverage himself to go ahead and get a job at some point when ECW had run its course. Tommy actually said that he and his family, also his parents, had a lot of money invested in ECW as well. Did he ever share that kind of stuff with other people, or was that something that he kept fairly private just for for pride reasons? I only remember hearing about that after the fact. Okay. Right. Yeah. Tommy said he had the ring truck that was in his name. He said that he, that is true. He had a lot of a lot of money and uh, involved and wrapped up into this, and that he just lost because Paul flaked out. Do either yeah, I? I just I just think Paul was done. Right. You know, for for six years or whatever, how long it was, you know, he he scraped and crawled, did what he could to survive. Got in bed with Vince, keep the company going. And then it was just at the point now where money didn't come in when he needed to come in. We didn't have a TV deal. And that was just it. You know, eventually you got to decide this is enough. Right. It's just not working. We're, we're so far on the hole. If we don't get like an immediate influx of cash, you know, we're, we're done. And I just think that was it. You think he just had enough? Ultimately. I mean, he had, I think it was a mixture of he, he had enough and there was just no more money. Right. Was there a lot of despair amongst a lot of the guys that this, this really could be it for our career in wrestling? I think a lot of guys thought that they could just get a job. Like they would get a job. So I don't, and they just kind of went on the Indies for a while. Right. Waiting for that phone call to come. You know, and more and more time came and guys didn't get a job and they were stuck on the indies and you know. <laughs> guys didn't get a job. <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's just what happened. Right. Yeah. You know, so you either going to, you're going to work the indies, you know, we, we got, we got good money in the beginning, you know, the first time around. And then, you know, you can't get that top dollar anymore. 
So then eventually your your price kind of hits a level where your price is at. You know, and that that's just kind of it. I made the decision and said, well, you know, this is this is obviously my body's kind of hurting a lot and I don't really feel like doing this and have to worry about, oh, I need eight bookings this month to cover my bills and things like that. I it just, you know, I love wrestling and all, but I knew that I needed a backup plan. So it wasn't much of a psychological fuck to you as, as it could have been to other people. Oh, it sucked. Don't get me, look, don't get me wrong. It sucked. You know, you, you go from, you know, you go from being a celebrity. We talked about this before. Right. You go from being a celebrity and everybody wants your autograph, take, take pictures with you and things like that, you know, three or four nights a week. And then you have to wake up Monday morning at the ass crack at dawn and be a nine to five ham and egger. And someone's threatening to put a cable, cable box, box up your butt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's it's very humbling. And I know a lot of guys had a very hard time, and some never adjusted to that. You, you even see guys on the Indies who I've seen that they absolutely refuse to get a job just because, hey, I'm a professional wrestler. What did you do when you first started out? You had to have a job to support your wrestling habit, you'd think. Yeah. It's like, are you a professional wrestler or are you a guy that wrestles? What are you? For most of us, there are people who wrestle. There are very, very few full-time gigs in this business. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure I, look, I would not mind having a gig where I could travel and make good money and not necessarily wrestling. I would love that, you know, to be involved in wrestling because I love wrestling. I think I could at some point contribute uh, in some way. I'm sure Jerry feels the same way. Mm-hmm. But, but at the same time, we have families, and I'm not going to put everything on hold to keep this dream of, well, somebody's going to call me eventually. So I'm not going to do, you know, you, you have to do what you have to do. Right. Right. It's a mind now, fuck, but you, have, but you have to do yeah, what you have to do. Yeah. When I was single, you know, it was fine. I, I did what it took. I would bounce from city to city. I'd literally pick up, pack up whatever few boxes of clothes and whatever I had belongings I had, put it in the car and move to another city. It was living the gypsy life. But like Mikey said, once you have a family, you know, it's not just you. You got other people to take care of and you can't take those big gambles anymore. Right. You know, you can't tell I can't tell my wife, wow, well, hon, you know, three bookings short this month. So going to cut back on stuff. Right. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I'm just going to sit home and do nothing. <laughs> you know, as much as I would love to do that. It's, it's just not, not possible. Tommy said without naming names, he actually even saw things get as bad as when ECW did finally go under. Guys who had some of the fame and had the notoriety, they had significant others. And those relationships ended after they, uh, you know, were no longer, like you said before, you know, getting autographs signed and getting your picture taken with. You know, that, that limelight did end. 
Did you ever notice anything to that nature with people as far as just the groups of people that would surround you just kind of starting to leave people that were around just for the sake of being around because you were well known? No, I didn't really associate with those people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I knew who my friends were. Right. You know, right. And I, uh, friends I had outside of wrestling, um, I was still friends with. You know, my friends, I'm, people I'm friends with in wrestling, uh, you know, I'm friends with them. So I, I never really had hangers on. Right. I, I, I just never really had that problem. Did you I'm, very, I'm very antisocial. I don't really talk to anybody. Right. So holy shit. Jerry. Fucking Christ. <laughs> Jerry that wasn't Lynn. me. What the hell that are you doing? Me. That, was, that was Mikey. That was not me. That was the fucking mutt. Oh, sure. Non-ball liquor. Well, Angel came out, had to get a drink. Now she has to get Girl Scout cookies. Now the door's going batshit crazy, jumping at everybody. Knocked my computer half off the table. Had you seen had you seen any guys lose women or relationships end because they're no longer well known? Yep. Really? That's bothersome. I don't yeah. think I saw that. Yeah. That's bothersome. I'm trying to think. Oh. Yeah, maybe I have. Yeah. 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 But, you know, it's just like. But you know what? If you lose those people, you're better off. Yeah. That that is true. That is very true. Because they were never there for the right reason to begin with. Nope. With Basically, in general, people suck. (laughs) (laughs) And then you die. There's no doubt. Tommy loved ECW. Loved everything about it. Loved the boys. Loved the fans. Loved the style. Loved the storylines. The the travel, the, the goofiness, the backstage antics. He loved everything about it. That's not bullshit. That's, that's 100% fact. He loved grossing everyone out. He did. <laughs> I remember he ate like a, like a, uh, we were in Florida at a day's in and he went to the vending machine that was not heated or not, not, uh, refrigerated. And there was a moon pie. And I remember he got this moon pie and not only was it in the, in the heat of Florida, but this uh. thing had expired like six months prior and he ate it. Oh. Oh, he would always do stuff like that just to gross out the boys. Uh, he, I think he chewed chew, chewing gum out of an ashtray one time. Well, okay, so that kind of brings me to this. When he was finally brought into WWE by Jim Ross, he was, I guess he was working, I don't know if he's working a program with The Undertaker, but he was doing a lot of gross stuff on raw and he actually and i don't know if this was gimmicked or whatnot but he drank a cup of chaw spit or dip spit i should say and then taker went ahead and took the rest of the chaw that was in his gums and spit the chunk out into this half filled 
solo cup. And Tommy drank it. Now, you would know better than I. Was that gimmicked, or do you think he really went ahead and did that? I don't know. Knowing Tommy. It wouldn't surprise me one way or the other. It would surprise me more if it was gimmicked. (laughs) Yeah. Now, remember the old Skinner gimmick? Yes. I love Steve Kern did. Yeah. Yes. I heard that when he'd have the chew just running down his chin and down his chest, that it was actually black licorice. Oh, that's worse. Ugh. Well, here's the thing. Speaking of, there's not anything to chew, but remember when Undertaker <laughs> used to, used to when he first came in, he would do the tombstone and then pour dirt on the person? Yes. That was actually coffee. Oh. There you go. There you go. There's some insider information right there. And that's a wrap on another exciting episode of Front Row Material Podcast. <laughs> That's all I got. That's it. That's all I got. Anything else? Any other fan question? Any other? Well, well, before we we do the fan question, anything else? You any other stories about Tommy? Anything else that you remember as far as traveling with him or being in the hotel? Any anything funny? Well, yeah, I'm going to save mine for when he's on. Okay. Oh yeah, I'll save mine too. But I just want to say I love Tommy Dreamer. Oh, me too. I don't think you're... He's always been nothing but nice, uh, helpful with me, you know, uh, you know, friends for over 20 years now. Wow. 25 years. Yeah, everything I've heard from people said he's nothing but a stand-up guy, so that's, that's a rarity to find somebody like that in life we're in general. For, we're friends for 25 years. <laughs> that's a long time. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Jerry, you, you have any uh any listener questions? From at smart underscore nation. Where did you guys stay when you wrestled at the Elks Lodge, Madhouse of Extreme? Did we usually have another city to drive to the next day, Mikey? Usually Philly. Okay. We we so, either do we would do Queens on, on either Friday night and then Philly on Saturday. Then that makes sense, because usually after the show, we just drive straight to Philly and go check in at the hotel. A couple times we do Queens on Thursday, and then somewhere else on Friday, then Philly Saturday. Yeah, because I cannot ever remember anywhere staying around the Elks Lodge down there, you know, in the heart of Queens. No, I never did. I think we always just, yeah, we always just took (laughs) off and started heading to the next town. Well, we don't have a question here, but we have a comment here from... It's me, Johnny O, and uh, it's at O'Brien John 83. Found a real gem of a podcast this week at FRM Pod. Fantastic listing material. Lots of LOL moments. Very cool. Thank you very much. We have another comment here from Rogue Time Lord One. Have we read a comment from this individual before? I think we have. Nobody warned me Mikey dropped a pie in his pants. I did not drop a pie in my pants. I think I hurt myself laughing, referring to the the Joel Gertner episode. Wow. We have a comment here from a Mark Mandrake, and he says, Each week, FRM pod grows more and more on me. One of my favorite podcasts. Huge thumbs up to Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whitbrett for a great show. 
A lot of good, good, lot of good feedback here. Yeah, I like it. A lot of them. I read, I read uh, It's Me, Johnny O. Good dude right there. And we grow my, more and more on him like a goiter. <laughs> where's my mailman? Where's the mailman at? How'd I miss the mailman? Where's, uh, never mind. You were saying? Nothing. <laughs> I'm going to behave. Mikey, have you blocked anybody on social media recently? Nope. No? All, all, the, pump, all, the, all the pump handles have been blocked. <laughs> <laughs> Including pump handle number one. Oh, my God. Oh, great. Gertner beat us to it. He answered that question. What question? About where did you guys stay when we wrestled at the Elks Lodge? He says, NYC and Philly are 100 miles apart, two hours or less of driving. NYC was routed with the Philly about every time, so there was no... NYC regular company hotel. Most folks just made the drive. There you go. Wow. So Gertner beat us to it. Well, well, well. And once again, we can't we can't thank Joel enough for coming on last week. He was a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Uh, Ryan J. Sullivan, he said, been a very busy day, but finished at FRM Pod this week. And I got to say, I enjoyed every minute. Love you guys. Mikey Whitbrick, Jerry Lynn, myself, and the Halifax Matt. Also, thanks for wishing me a happy birthday. It made my day. That is very cool. We want to thank Ryan J. Sullivan. And also, happy birthday, Ryan. Thank you for supporting the program. You know, why do people say happy birthday? What, what else are you going to say? They had nothing to do with it. Say happy birthday to your mother. Right. She did all the fucking work. You just fucking popped out. You just, yeah, well, uh, okay. Well, they could say happy sliding out the birth canal day. Oh, criminy. Here we go. <laughs> it, it would be more accurate. Please join us over at frmpod.com over at frmpod.com you can get all the latest merchandise find out all the latest news of what's going on in the podcast keep up to date with Mikey and Jerry everything that's happening with them get all of their contact information and never miss an episode of Front Row Material which drops every single Wednesday morning at 6am it is available on the MLW Radio Network and anywhere else fine podcasts are made available. Don't forget to cruise on over to ProWrestlingTees.com as well, even though the link is at FRMPod.com. I thought I would mention this. Get yourself a Mikey Whipwreck t-shirt. He's got plenty of designs available. You can also get yourself a Jerry Lynn t-shirt. He's got multiple designs as well. Go ahead and get a shirt from the guys. They would appreciate that. Mikey's doing his personalized autographs. If you would like to go ahead and take part in that, Go ahead and shoot him a DM, and he will get you set like, up. I don't that. feel like doing shit anymore. Not selling pictures. Fuck you and your T-shirts. Fuck everything. Well, with that being said, well, I guess there's really nothing else to talk about. Uh, I don't feel well. I'm cranky. We appreciate everybody who's bought a T-shirt as well. You can also follow the show on Twitter, and that's at FRM Pod. We'd like to special, especially thank the Halifax Matt for going ahead and producing the program as he does a stellar job each and every week. Indeed, he does. And Lucha Freddy. Lucha Freddy. Don't want to yes. forget about Lucha Freddy. We love Lucha ourselves Freddy. some Lucha Freddy. Follow him at Lucha Freddy. But he's Freddy Mercurio. He's a hell of a wrestler. He's got a beautiful boots on. 
I think you should describe his moonsault as gorgeous. I was gonna say, do we have a man crush going on here? No, that's the way he talks. Yes, oh. he's, uh, he's uh, British. For all you fans out there, next time you see Luigi Freddy, ask him about Brexit. Is he gonna blow a gasket? He might. That, that's gonna Because do I'm Jerry Lynn, and I'm going to blow you. <laughs> that's gonna do it for front row material. Jerry's gonna blow someone. Mikey, I hope you feel better. I go fuck my ass. <laughs> Jeez. See you next week. Bye. Fuck it. Fuck it all. The world of NLW Radio.